Riding the 3 by 3 coming at you with another episode this week from yours truly, Russ Heldman, and my co-host, Patrick Fetch. We're going to dive into all things The Match Part 2, Brady and Mickelson taking on Peyton Manning and Tiger Woods in a very fun, very eventful Sunday afternoon battle this past Memorial Day weekend. We'll also dive into all the four major sports where they stand right now in terms of returning, in terms of resuming play, and in terms of being able to start seasons on time. Dive into all that in lane number two. And then we'll close out the show with another list this week. Ranking our top sports trophies in every single facet of the sports world. We'll give our top three lists from Pat and I and also toss in some honorable mentions along the way. As always, check us out on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. Throw us a five-star rating. Give us a little review and keep supporting the Ride in the 3 by 3 movement. Let's get in to lane number one. Strolling right into lane number one on this week's Riding a 3x3. Welcome in, everyone. I'm your host, Russ Heltman. Joined, as always, right on time, right on the number, Mr. Patrick Fetch, my co-host. Pat, how are we doing after what was a uh, a very fun, very much-needed Memorial Day weekend? Huge weekend. Uh, it was a hot one. It was a hot one. I was yeah, kind of telling me, man. Gonna be, yeah, summer's going to be a brutal one, it feels like, because at least down in... Uh, the southern bit of Ohio. It was definitely a hot one, but I definitely had a much needed escape. Um, yeah, I don't know about these the, the sports, right? Like it's just this was a normal weekend because I had a sort of German soccer, so I think I had something in the morning. Then there was obviously that big like Saturday day drinking event with the with the golf. Um, but it's just missing, man. There's still that bit missing, that, that bit of life missing. How how was your weekend though? Did you were you able to catch up with everything you needed on Memorial Day? Oh yeah, it was good. Uh, had to, had some afternoons off on on Saturday and Sunday. Of course, worked the mornings at the station, and then had to work on Memorial Day. But you know what? At least I got a job. I'm counting my blessings. It was a lot of fun this weekend. It was a lot of fun, Pat, watching the match part two. This time in uh, in a duo fashion, duo mano y mano battle between Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson paired up together, tackling Peyton Manning and Tiger Woods, who ended up winning the match as minus 200 favorites they win one up after 18 holes barely snuck it in had to fight a little bit of a rain delay with the uh with the scheduled time to be off of 3 p.m pushed back towards more towards well, it was like more like 4 4 15 by the time they got this thing rolling pat but tom brady was looking like basically everybody uh that's anybody out there that tries to play golf after not playing much for a long time he seemed like he had been very focused on trying to uh, ingratiate himself with his Tampa Bay Buccaneers teammates as opposed to uh, softening up that relationship with his driver because he was spraying that thing all over the place. Couldn't really find uh, a consistent ball-striking method, Pat. But then, towards the end of that first nine, everybody just ragging on him. Everybody just totally poking fun. For the first time, really, in our lives, we've been able to do this to Tom Brady. He yanks out a beautiful... 130-yard-plus bomb with a little wedge, dunks it in, gets the birdie, and then what does he do? He doesn't even celebrate, Pat. He doesn't even really act like it's that cool of a thing. He just immediately starts back backlashing against Charles Barkley, talking trash right back to him after Chuck had offered him a cool uh, $50,000 in charitable donations if he were to hit the green on the previous par three, which unfortunately he was not able to do, but definitely redeemed himself with the uh, dunk shot in the uh, in the latter half of the front nine. 
the rain definitely caught me all not you know big by surprise when I turned it on. I did not expect any of that. It was, mm-hmm. it was such a bummer too because you had Tiger coming out in his Sunday red. It was I know. Just, oh, it's like of course it's gonna rain. Of course. Yeah. Of course it's yeah. gonna rain. And it was a torrential downpour. I like how you were like, oh, it's just a little bit of rain. I to me that seemed like ridiculous. I actually can't believe that they started and played the whole thing. That was awesome. I was really impressed by them for really just giving it to the people. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that shot by Brady, man. I was ready to give Brady all the hate, but he that was a, a beautiful stroke. I that was the shot of the day. I can't believe he put that in. And Charles was perfect. I love everything he said. Charles needs to be on every single golf broadcast. Just any broadcast in general. The dude's just a national treasure. Justin Thomas was really good too. He was throwing some barbs out there. Number four ranked player in the world. Uh, still, still getting it done in the prime of his career. But uh, speaking of a guy who's towards the end of, of his prime, Tiger Woods, Pat, we hadn't seen him in action really since what, mid-February when he got a little bit of a tight tightness in his back and, and was not scheduled to play in the players or really seemingly play in the masters but he looks pretty good man didn't miss a fairway he was was, amazing uh, solid he was solid he was he was the the uh what do they call it the the guiding light or the uh the rudder that was steering the ship for their victory him and peyton manning definitely i thought he was beautiful off the tee i couldn't i mean if he was i couldn't really tell i was trying to get a gauge of how how hard they were going how much focus i think the Mm -hmm. rain definitely killed the focus a lot i think if we had a sunny day it would have been maybe a little more contentious. I think Tom was getting a little annoyed with the with the elements at times, but um, yeah, I think Tiger looked stellar off the out of the box. Maybe that's because he just toned it down a little bit on his drive. He was kept hitting fairways, but it was it was good. I mean, I'm I'm impressed. I had a great time watching it. I think everybody needed the release, and um, props to them. Seriously, props to them for doing what they did in the rain. I didn't expect that from them whatsoever. $20 million raised for charity, and it's it's two guys in Manning and Brady who obviously had never really been on a national TV-like event in terms of showcasing their golf game. And what do you know, the first time they do it, it's the highest-rated cable golf event in the history of the sport, 5.8 million views uh, across the entire telecast or whatever it was. So really, really impressive showing from them. It's just incredible that they were even able to make it fun let alone uh, put on a pretty good showing in terms of their own golf game. Peyton Manning, man, he's a true six handicap. Let's be real here. He was dunking in birdie putts early on in that match and and, and, just... and playing really strong along the way. They were up three, they were three up, Pat, for most of the match until Phil was able to uh, strangle in some strokes there at the end. I think they, yeah, they definitely had that match. They were the true winners, but I mean, it was just a few goats going for, going for a stroll in the grass. It was great. I mean, everything about it just so entertaining. First, First chance to see the medalist golf club. Beautiful, beautiful mm-hmm. property uh, that uh, that a lot of uh, high-ranking, highly sought-after PGA professionals play oh, at. So well, all around a lot of fun. What do you got for me? Looking up, I mean, there's going to be a next one. But mm-hmm. do you think that um, Tiger and Phil are the only two golfers that could make something like this work? Like, to your point, Justin Thomas was pretty entertaining. You know, for those who follow Barstool, obviously, uh, Blake Kepka, Brooks Kepka would be great, I think, in one of these. He'd be very entertaining. He was Not chiming in throughout the day as well with some yeah, uh, yeah, donations. So, so I was. You, do you think it could work with some other golfers? Other golfers haven't tried to just throw their uh, their hand in the ring. I mean, obviously, Tiger and Phil are two legends of the game, but that doesn't mean there, other, there aren't other great golfers, other great personalities. I mean, if someone could rope John Daly into doing one of these things, oh, sign me up. 
Well, for the third match, Pat, I think it needs to be another duo type setup. Maybe do another kind of alternate shot, best ball type of format like they were doing. I thought that was a lot more interesting than just one-on-one match play. Just where you just grind it out, just playing off of what the other player is doing. I'm thinking maybe a pairing of anyone from McElroy, Fowler, Dustin Johnson, any of that trio, the top 10 kind of younger golfers in the world, you get the young, the youth versus the old hats, mano y mano, trying to see which era can take each other down. I think that's the next step. That's That should be the third iteration of the match. What do you think? That'd be great. I mean, Phil seems like he was already in on the uh, the basketball wave. I think he had a great idea to beat a Steph Curry, Michael Jordan. That's what I've heard floated out. That would be awesome. I mean, Steph Curry is a legit Ooh, golfer. Like another sure sport. The- so they did the NFL. Now yeah, they move yeah, on to the NBA. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. MJ, we know MJ would be, uh, well, what do you think? Do you think he would be actually entertaining? Because Steph exactly. Curry, I think, would be a lot of fun. Like, he's kind of a more happy-go-lucky guy. He's not going to take it too seriously. But MJ, we know how much that competitive fire burns after 10 weeks or 10 episodes of The Last Dance, especially on national TV. I don't know if he would be uh, be, be, think, be yeah. throwing barbs he or a- he would either be full-on trash-talking Jim, MJ or just steely-eyed, full-on focus. I think it's it's one yeah. or the other. It would be interesting to see maybe how his own sort of personal dynamic has changed after all of the the last dance, the sort of revival. You know, maybe, and again, he was the most famous person on earth, so maybe he hasn't changed him at all. But I think he might be kind of lame, like too sort of close to the chest, maybe just like too right, too focused, too aggressive. But I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. I, I, I think Steph would be awesome. I mean, Steph's just, he's probably the best athlete golfer going right now. And he's, like you said, so happy-go-lucky. I think Charles, I would love to see him on the course. As just a wild card. It's just a, he has yeah. to, like, he has to take every two or three holes, Charles has to take a shot for okay. the other one of the teams, great. and they flip a coin or something team. to figure out which team has to take it. I like that. I like that. If you, if you hit it into, like, a sand trap, then Charles gets to drive the next you hole. Get double punished. You get you get double hazard punished for uh, for doing that. I like it. There you go, Pat. We're, we're, they, they just need to hire us. Just hire us to play and then match part three. We'll we'll get we'll we'll blow five point eight million. We'll get to, we'll get double digit million people calling into the getting into this thing for sure. All right. Speaking of leagues and speaking of sports, trying to get double digit million people watching their events. The four major sports, Pat, still on hold here in the uh, good old, the beautiful United States of America. Bundesliga is back, returned in Germany. Uh, Serie A is planning on returning their league and, and planning on resuming their season June 20th, so a little less than a month from now, as is the Barclays Premier League over in England. They're planning on resuming on June 17th. So the wheels are turning, Pat. Things are in motion. And let's go from... Most optimistic return in terms of the four major sports all the way to things that are seeming least optimistic or the leagues that are seeming less likely to return down the line. So starting with the NFL, it's been uh, a lot of good news this week, Pat. Charles Robinson of the uh, of Yahoo Sports NFL coverage, longtime columnist there for the big media company known as Yahoo. He is reporting, according to sources within the league, that they might be able to get many camps going towards the end of June. That would be massive because there was thoughts that many camps were completely tossed out the window and there was threat 
of training camp being postponed with uh, the all likelihood, if that were to happen, postponement of the start of the season. So if they're able to get many camps going end of June, which would be about 10 to 10 days to two weeks after they normally were to pick up, that would be really, really huge in terms of the league's ability to get to the, the season started on time with or without fans in the stadium. Right. I don't see a world where the NFL doesn't play its season. And mm-hmm. I do I do find it hard to imagine the NFL playing a season without fans. And it's just the staple that it is in this country. Everything about the NFL and what it stands for and the people that back it. So, I mean, I, to be, to the most optimistic that I am, NFL is a no-doubter. I just cannot see a world where the NFL doesn't play. But what makes it challenging, right, is these different regulations in different states right now. So that is interesting. I think training camp will be a major teller if, if these states like California, right, is the biggest wild card, if they'll open up for training camp and whatnot. Um, I think they should start really considering consolidating teams into certain states if they really want to be sure about this plan working and maybe just mm-hmm. getting a season started right on time. Because I think if, what, if you just, I mean, Arizona seems cool with it. So if you can just sort of float those teams down to Arizona, at least for the time being, as things continue to settle themselves down. But, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't see a world where the NFL doesn't play. And I think a lot of people within the NFL have stated that uh, in these conversations. So, I don't know. I mean, I mean what do you think about – the NFL, what seems different right now is they don't seem to have a plan uh, to use, like, one or two stadiums, say, like most of these. No, teams. they're very similar to the, to the Major League Baseball plan in the idea that they – Obviously, like unlike the NBA and the NHL, they haven't completed over two-thirds of their season. So they, they almost have to be able to move around the country and be able to go to different stadiums to be able to conduct all these all these games, especially in the NFL when you're talking about you need football fields, you need legitimate, high-quality, high-standard turf fields at, at the minimum or really good grass fields, and you're not going to find many of those outside of where they're already located in their central stadium locations. And it's funny enough you brought up California, Pat. That's the biggest tipping point here. If Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, allows training camps to uh, open up without fans in attendance uh, in the month of June, then it's it's very likely, for according to this story from, uh, from Charles Robinson of Yahoo Sports, that the NFL will conduct many camps at least in some fashion by the end of June. So knock on wood, hopefully um, all the, uh, all the science and all the data keeps pointing in the right direction and they can get things going in the NFL very quickly. But I think that is like you said, Pat, the most likely major sport to not only return, but also start their season on time, which is just so funny. Every single time there's something crazy that happens. It always seems like the NFL somehow comes out on top. All right, let's move into another league, the direct competitor, the second most popular league in the United States of America, the National Basketball Association, Pat. They have landed on a location seemingly pretty firm at the moment. The Disney World idea is almost a full go. They're in exploratory talks with the Walt Disney Corporation to conduct or uh, carry out the conclusion of their season and crown a champion on the uh, property of the Walt Disney World Resorts in Orlando. They're still hashing out all of the fine details. They're trying to figure out right now, Pat, how many teams to bring to this location. They had about 20 games remaining for uh, the roughly 30 teams in the NBA uh, M- NBA schedule remaining. And the bottom line is 
they have to hit 72 games played to hit the regional sports network agreements in terms of them, their teams receiving the full amount of money from those local TV deals. So with that being said, there's just so much conjecture going on and you can read about it in more detail on uh, ESPN.com. Adrian Wojnarowski goes really, really in depth and gives great detail regarding all of the ins and outs of what's being discussed this week and heading into the weekend. And also he does a great job with Zach Lowe on their uh, two part podcast discussing this this week as well. So you can dive into that for more direct details into the, what's going on with the NBA. But Pat, it seems like the biggest question is how many teams are they going to bring back and what's the format going to be for carrying out the playoffs and what could be a conclusion of the regular season? In the end, they could scrap the regular season all the way and go right towards the playoffs, which I think is the most clean, best way to do it. You have just 16 teams, so you basically cut the league in half. You bring everybody, to, to all 16 of those teams to Orlando. Sorry to those four teams in the West that had a chance to crack the eight seed. You didn't get it done. You had over two-thirds of the season to prove you were a playoff-worthy team. You didn't do it. Your record states uh, speaks for itself. Sorry, you're out of luck. So you bring those 16 teams that are already in the playoffs. You conduct the playoffs as normally as you possibly can and just play it out like it would be a lockout season. But when they start bringing up 1-32 to 32, uh, or 1-16 to 16 playoff bracket between uh, interconference battles. You could have Portland play in Boston, or you have these World Cup setups where you're bringing back 20 teams and you have four teams per group. It's just crazy, dude. It's it's unbelievable right. that they're trying to talk about this when the, the legitimacy of the season, even if you play a regular playoffs, could already be in question. So for me, if you're going to give the best chance for the historical relevance of the team that lifts the Larry O'Brien trophy to be legitimate, you have to play out the season in as close to a normal way as possible. And to me, that means just bringing back 16 teams and starting the playoffs. I agree. I think it's somewhere between Ramona Shelbourne. I think she was like, why we, we have all of this concern over the gathering of people and the traveling. Why mm-hmm. are we trying to stretch this along? Like bring the teams we played two-thirds of the season. If you didn't make the playoffs, you should have played better. Sorry. We're in extreme situations. I guess the extreme thing's going to happen. But And then I think Life's, Damian life's Lillard, not fair right now. That's the right. bottom line. Life just isn't right. fair. It's not fair. Yeah, and Damian Lillard is also like, I don't want to come back and not play meaningful games. Like, I, you know, I don't want to waste all my time. I don't want to risk me, my family, and all of these. That's a he, valid he, concern he has there, too. Yeah, and so I agree with that, that just bring the 16 teams back. It, life's not fair for your fans. Life's not fair for every other person. Life can be not fair uh, for the owners and, and, you know, maybe not fair for some players. But if they – right, I mean, if there's an agreement that comes and these players are on board and they want to do it and they can make this happen, then make it simple. I don't understand – you know, we'll talk about this in the other leagues. And I think NHL is making it as simple as possible. But just make it more simple. It doesn't have to be so hard in such extreme situations where I feel like what we're talking about right now more than anything is the contracts and how they're going to, you know, pay in the TV money. It's like, damn, you just wish that they could get together like gentlemen, you know, and and just help the fans out, help help the supporters out, help the people that pay pay the contracts. Right. How we always say as fans, we're the ones paying the contracts. So. Um, but I have been back to the, the original thought. I have been to the Disney Wild World of Sports. I don't see any reason why I can't work there. I mean, it's a massive place. You're isolated. You can stay isolated and you can be pretty comfortable. It's not like we're asking them to go to, you know, maybe 
one hotel and not leave it. I feel like you'll you'll feel pretty pretty spacious and pretty free in the area. I mean, Disney World is massive. It's it's very true, Pat. And the biggest reason they are fully exploring trying to conclude the season in Disney World as opposed to, say, Las Vegas, which was the other spot they were considering, is the fact that it's private property. You can block off an area. You can block off that whole wide world of sports section of the park and and make sure that once they do reopen Disney World, which there's talks about that happening in late June, maybe early July, that when the public does return in, in what will be a limited fashion, of course, but and also increased risk fashion for everybody else involved in the park, they will be able to block off that area and try to uh, lessen or make sure there's zero contact between everybody involved in the NBA operation and the public at large. And that's the biggest thing here, Pat, is we just want, as fans and as me covering the sport of the NBA, as, as you and I talking about it here on the pod, we just want them to finish the season. I just want them to be able to crown a champion. If you're bringing in 20 teams and you're trying to play 80 or you're trying to have all 20 of these teams play eight games each or something, and you're trying to just hammer out these games and you're just increasing the injury risk, you're increasing the time spent in the campus environment, therefore increasing the inherent risk of an outbreak happening. Everything just leads to increased risk, bottom line, by increasing the amount of teams. And so to me, you have to find a way to just get everybody to go on on board with the fact that the 16 playoff teams are pretty much set. It's not like there's uh it's not like the Portland Trailblazers were on a six game winning streak coming into the no, coronavirus pandemic and they're only a game back. Like they're all at least three and a half games back, Pat. So to me, like you just said, it makes the most sense to help the fans, to help everybody in the public, to help everybody involved with the sport to just make this as clean as possible try to get as few people into the bubble as possible and therefore you you lessen your risk it's all about keeping the risk as low as possible and being able to conclude the season agreed it's just it makes no sense why they're trying to overcomplicate things and i kind of it, well, it, it seems it's it seems to me it's based on money pat and that's kind of what it boils down to if if they had concluded the regular season i think they would have they would immediately right now only be talking about going right into the end of the uh, 16 team playoff or eight, eight teams in each conference. But because they haven't hit those RSN uh, figures, those RSN uh, requirements, they're trying to figure out a way for all of the teams around the league to be able to at least break even on their regular season money. So, you know, it, it's, it's the age old, old age old adage money makes the world go around and we will move right on to a league in the NHL that is trying to, uh, Strengthen their coffers in terms of a TV product, Pat, with a 24-team plan for a playoffs upon their coronavirus return. They've effectively ended the regular season the NHL has. They're planning on a two-site playoff round-robin type of sprint between all 24 of the top teams in the NHL in terms of point percentage. Now, that is the percentage based on their regular season percentage and wins, not their overall point total. So there's a little bit of shuffling in the standings when you do it like that. But it seems like they're trying to hammer in a plan to play right now, Pat. But the reason I had them third in my optimism rankings is because they have not even come close to hammering out the health and safety guidelines. So to me, that is obviously the biggest thing to overcome. And they're going to have a uh, long path to do that in the, the uh, next couple of weeks. It's going to be very interesting. And I think the biggest conversation is how are you going to get an infinite amount of tests 
And I think that's the NBA's problem right now, too, is like we're going to need an infinite. Well, they've they've come out and said they're going to buy them from private places. They've already they've already right. kind of they've they've moved the goalposts, so to say, on uh, how how willing they are to take tests when the rest of the public may or may not have access to them. Now, of course, testing in the past couple of weeks, the past month has greatly improved. So that's of course, of that's course. a very that's good not, I don't think that the number of tests is a problem. I just think the logistics of gathering that many tests, of testing and conducting people, them and getting the results. Right. I see what you're saying. Yeah. And making it logistically just worthwhile, it seems like a tall, tall task. And I mean, I, I'm, I should be more educated on how the tests work. I don't know if these, right? I've, they've probably developed ones that are working minutes. I'm assuming now is the ones that they're trying well, to purchase. So that it's it's still three to four hours at the at the like at, at the minimum and it can even be 12 to 18 overnight it just depends so that's that's another thing as well pat that's a great thing you point you bring up with all four of these major sports is the fact that the testing still isn't hey i can prick my finger and be able to tell my levels in 30 seconds yeah and so with so much uncertainty there and um like what what's the plan i think Right, so if you get a positive test, are you just banned? Like, are you out? Right, or you have to take two weeks, and then you have to take another two weeks. So, right, you have to take two weeks to test negative. Then, are you just are you ready to you test negative? Or are you about? Are you let back in? Mm-hmm. And so that's what that was my the hardest thing for me reading about all the NHL and you know digesting all of the news about it this week was all of this this whole contingency is that you get tested morning, day, and night basically if you're these players and. It just seems like an exhausting ask. And it's why I get so frustrated with, with these concessions that they're asking players to make. It's like, I think I, you know, we, we talked about this last time. You know who's not going to be in these isolated bubbles? The owners who were on Zoom calls making these decisions about who should have to get together with each other. And so mm-hmm. that's where I find it going to be difficult to really hammer the, the details in and really make this thing work without it just trying to convince people to show up to this bubble and then you whatever after that. That's a great point, Pat. And it's, it's a great point you bring up about all four of these overarching themes surrounding all four of these sports is what do you do with a positive test? Now, we've seen in the, in the Bundesliga, we've seen in some of these other leagues, the Korean baseball, when, when they've had positive tests more than one on a certain team, they, they have to quarantine. Really, they have to shut down the whole team. And they've had to, to postpone matches in, in the second division of German soccer. And they've come close to doing it in the first division. So that's probably what's going to have to happen in some of these leagues. So so Ramona Shelburne brought up a great point yesterday on uh, the ESPN Daily podcast where she's kind of comparing it to, to L.A. traffic where you give yourself an hour window to get to somewhere that's 30 minutes away. You, it's probably only going to take you 30 to 40 minutes, but you give yourself that 20-minute cushion just in case things go wrong. That way you can actually use the traffic as an excuse. With the NBA, the NHL especially, and the MLB return, even if they say we're going to start tip off, all things going to be great into July, July 27th. That's our tip off date. I will be shocked if they're actually tipping off or throwing first pitches or dropping the puck on those dates because things are going to happen. There's going to be positive tests and there's going to be definite hurdles to overcome. And especially with the NHL, Pat, this is a skating sport. There's so much talk about the NBA, different access to hoops and guys like Giannis Antetokounmpo, the reigning MVP, not having access to a hoop for over two months. Most of these guys, if not all of these players in the NHL, haven't skated 
since mm-hmm. the con- since the season was called off in mid March. And when you when you listen to a guy like John Carlson of the Washington Capitals say that he usually takes four to six weeks in the summer just skating, that's it, just strictly skating to get himself back up to speed before even going to training camp in September. So the ramp up time that it's going to take for the for the NHL to get going again is just really really inconceivable at this point. But I I hope they're able to get it done, and it seems like. Because that ramp up time is going to be so long, they just immediately said, we need to just get this plan in place, just make it 24 teams, get, widen the pool, and, and cancel the regular season. Because we can't, not, we, not that we wouldn't love to show more games on TV, but we can't afford in terms of the timeline to try to play out the regular season with how long it's going to take to get these guys up to speed. I didn't even consider that skating. That's a great point. Um, but another, did they did they mention what to do about fighting? Like I'm, I was kind of half serious, but I was joking that joking about this the other day. Well, I mean, that's the whole problem with it being third on the optim, third, second to last on the optimism rankings. Is there's no that that's gonna fall under health and safety, and they have not come up with those protocols yet. Right. Interesting. You got to wear latex gloves under the gloves, or you have to fight with the gloves on. You got to. You got to. Every. I'm. I'm guessing almost everybody's gonna have to wear face masks and face shields and all that stuff. So that's that's another very very weird. They're kind of just asking these players to just get over it, right? Like, there's just so much interaction in these games. You're always in close contact. You're not gonna be thinking about this in play, right? You you just can't. Exactly. I think and not, on, not only in terms of in play, Pat, but you're also asking all these players to essentially jump into a playoff scenario in the amount of time in terms of being off from the sport that is usually considered an off season. Three or four months off in the summer is your off season, essentially, and they're going to be jumping right back into seriously meaningful, uh, meaningful action. So very interesting to see what happens with the NHL. Hopefully they can get some health and safety protocols nailed down and uh, get the plan in place in the next couple of weeks. Fourth and final on our optimism rankings, the 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 caboose, Pat. That's what we're going to call this this entity right now. Trailing the pack, bringing up the rear, Major League Baseball. So it's all about dollars and bills at this point, dollars and cents mostly. There are some health and safety protocols that they're hashing out, but the fact that the Major League Baseball owners bring this – salary proposal to the union this week where they essentially this is how it breaks down the league's proposal this is all from jeff pass and jesse rogers on espn.com which includes bonuses if postseason games are played it offers lowered salary players a higher percentage of their expected wages and would give some of the game's biggest stars a fraction of their salaries the formula the league offered for example would take a player scheduled to make the league minimum which is right around 560k would give him a prorated number based on 82 games, basically $285,000, and take a 10% cut from that figure, leaving him with $256,000 for the 82 games played in the season. So, you know, not bad for the guy making the league minimum, just taking a 10% haircut. Well, here's how the scale goes from there, people. $563,000, which I just mentioned, is 72.5% of their prorated salary. A million to five million, 50% of their prorated salary. 5 million to 10 million paid 40% of their prorated salary, 10 million to 20 million, 30% of their prorated salary. And then 20 million and up the big cats, the big fish in the small pond, 20% of their prorated salary. Meaning 
the highest paid player in baseball, Mike Trout, the five-tool all-star, the widely regarded as on his way to maybe being the greatest player in the history of the game, who's making $37 million this season. His prorated salary at 82 games would go from $19 million to $5.7 million, Pat. What, 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 what is this proposal that the owners are trying to bring? It's like they're just trying to spit in our faces as fans and saying, we know how stupid you are. We know how much you'll still support the owners, even if we do bring this absolute crock of garbage to the players. That and just, like, it doesn't make any sense. The, the Major League ownership group continues to just be so out of touch with reality. It doesn't make any sense. And... and it's it's what it's doing is not only spitting in the face of fans, but it's just spitting in the face of their own players, their own employees, because they're trying to create this false backlash, like pitting the two stakeholders of the game against each other. It, it, and there's just so many things that make no sense. And I think so many baseball writers and baseball personalities have made so many great points coming out against the owners where, uh, I mean, just imagine being asked to take a 75% pay cut, basically what it is. And risk your own health and safety, risk the health and safety of your teammates, of your family, of your training staff, with just out any consideration of the risk you're taking by owners who are going to be very cozy and very far from the situation. And not only that, Pat, it's 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 asking these players to take a pay cut, but on a sliding scale where you're asking the most dramatic pay cut to be taken from the players you most desperately need to be on the field to give you a legitimate product, especially in a season where it's going to be short training times, like we just mentioned with the NHL. It's going to be sloppy play. You really want the league minimum guys to be playing most of these games in sloppy conditions, or would you rather your all-stars like Mike Trout be able to be on the field and hit home runs and be able to drive in runs for you? It's unbelievable. And you can make this argument, too. Okay, okay, Major League Baseball has the deepest player pool to pick from. Okay, true. But minor league baseball players aren't going to be willing. They're not even getting paid, right? They've all just been thrown to the wasteland. They're all unemployed right now. Major League Baseball has basically kicked dirt on them and buried them six feet under. So I don't understand who, you know, those who want to say, oh, they just have minor league players, you know, they can just replace. That's not going to happen. How do they expect? How do you expect the minor league players to look? How are they? How, what kind of shape are their games going to be in? <laughs> like if they're if they're four hundred dollars a week? Are you going to pay them? Are you going to yeah. pay them literally? Yeah, a dollar a game. Like what is their pro rate? Itself? Yeah, you just took away the four hundred dollars a week you're paying them. Or not every team in the MLB has done that, but Oakland A's, the 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 all just I. It's making me stutter, Pat. Right. It's just all making me stutter. It just makes me so upset and so angry that these rich businessmen continue to try and cry poor. It's unbelievable. And I'm not going to sit here and say, even though I have the the uh, the MLB um, fourth on the optimism rankings, I don't think the season is dead as of yet. This is a definite initial bargaining tactic. But to start out the bargaining and such a bad faith tactic like this it just doesn't yeah. make any I sense in such a such a dire unprecedented time and that's the last time i'm gonna say that ever on this podcast but it is it's true it's like why can't we just try to help each other out for once ever in their history of this of this business relationship between the mlbpa and the, the fans owners. that they could make from this situation right i mean the greatest they, we need a hero right now. We need exactly. people to step up and give us something. We just need people to take one on the chin for the team 
and that will pay itself over a billion times, right? If Major League Baseball got their head out of their uh, for one, you know, second and just just did something for the people, they've been losing to every sport in this country, and they somehow fail to see that and somehow fail to want to correct it at all at the same time. And, and then they want to complain about losing money. They're the most out-of-touch, out-of-reality human beings in this country right now. And, and it's so frustrating as my favorite sport. I don't even know what to say about it. And, and I think a lot of people in baseball and around baseball, especially in a city like Cincinnati where you have a small market team that struggled in recent years, like this is going to be the end. We've lost an entire generation of fans already, it seems like, with how bad they are marketing the sport. And now you're going to lose a bunch of loyal fans, a bunch of fans who are sticking by you. It makes no sense. Like they're just they're kissing a death wish, death wish on, on their own sport. I'm right there with you, Pat. It's it's just really sad. And and as as a fellow Reds fan, and just looking at my own relationship to the sport, this was supposed to be the year. This was supposed to be the fun year. This was supposed to be the first time in almost a decade that we've been able to enjoy a team that actually looks like it's trying to win. That's the best part about sport when you know going into a season that your team has pushed in all the chips and is going for it. Now, it's not the Reds' fault or the MLB's fault that coronavirus happened. I'm not saying that. But it is their fault that on May 28th, when they've had two weeks, three weeks almost, to really start hammering out a deal, to really see around the nation that things are starting to pick up a little bit and starting to become a little positive, to, to really – take the bull by the horns and so to say and try to be that first league back try to be that 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 flagship bear that flagship entity in the sports world in this country and they have just completely completely pissed it away just completely pissed it away and it's not like it's not like the NBA where they have they have been negotiating but you know playing it close to the vest and playing it safe and not trying to make proclamations they're just sitting there trying to trying to insult each other and on uh, in terms of dollars and cents and on the national stage and it's really hard to watch and it's really hard to see as a as a baseball fan and especially last night pat and and let me let me just get to this with max scherzer's tweet and i'll let you go but when he when he tweets last night and i an iphone notes screenshot saying after discussing the latest developments with the mlb um, there's no reason to engage in any further compensation reductions. We have previously negotiated a pay cut, and there's no justification to accept another pay cut based on the current information the union has received. I'm glad to hear another viewpoint and believed MLB's economic strategy would completely change if all documentation were to become public information. The billionaires will not show us their checkbooks, and uh, until that seems to happen, it's, it's, it's likely that they're going to be at an impasse in terms of the financial agreements, but we yeah. shall see. And the, like uh, everyone wants to complain, you know, big fans about how bad the league is at marketing themselves, how bad they are utilizing social exactly. media to bring that young fans. And it's it's clear that they're not in tune with social media because all it is on it. that side of the sport right now is is current and former players bickering at each other, like agents going at former players. You have you know different writers going at players and stuff. You have like Trevor Bauer and Blake Snell and on you know sides. It's just. It seems like, again, you have Max Scherzer, one of the most non-Twitter social media. He has to put out a statement like this. It's just they're so out of touch with what's going on with the rest of the world. It doesn't make any sense, and it's just tough that there's no one to steer them in the right direction. It feels like I don't know what it's going to take for them to open their eyes. Couldn't have said it better, Pat, and hopefully the powers that be within the Players Association and Major League Baseball can uh, can get on some better terms here in the next few days and, and get this ship turned around. Hopefully 
get the uh, get the bare bones of a season in uh, and, and see some baseball this summer. I know I would love to see it, and I know I've been aching to see it since uh, since the season closed with the Nationals lifting the Commissioner's Trophy back in October. And that's what we're diving into in lane number three, Pat. The top trophies in the world of sports. Let's give our top three list. I'll let you start it off with your number three selection. Yeah, I so I had like a bunch of after that conversation. I don't want to include any of the baseball trophies that I have, <laughs> but whatever, we'll do it. I I'm going with my number three is kind of like a duo pick. I'm going mm-hmm. with the silver slugger and the gold glove. Okay, kind of like an off the bat one, but I think these are just like some of the best. There's classic, right? It's a, literally a silver slugger bat and a golden glove, and it's perfect. It's exactly what it sounds like. The best hitter. You get a perfect silver bat. The best fielder, you get a perfect golden glove. I love the simplicity and the greatness of these of these two awards. And I, I think it's it's just it's just so easy, right? It's exactly what it sounds like. It makes so much sense within the realm of the sport. It's been around in the sport for so long. I love it. I'm going with that simple pick for number three. A little duo pick. Very nice. It's it's also two awards with some of the best names, I think, for trophies. Mm-hmm. The silver slugger. That- the Golden Glove. I mean, those are slick names right there, Pat. Exactly. And I think that's what has part of the allure for me with the trophy. It's like, oh, what's the trophy look like? Oh, a, a silver Louisville slugger and a Golden Glove. Beautiful. Another trophy with a very slick name. My number three selection, the Lombardi Trophy. The Vince Lombardi Trophy, to be more apt. Originally designed by Tiffany and Company. It is very elegant, very elite. Only, only reserved for the best of the best, Pat in the National Football League world goes out to the Super Bowl champion every single year named for who named for Vince Lombardi, who when he died was the number one coach in the history of football, rest his soul. But I would uh, probably say that everybody, including myself, agrees that Bill Belichick might have taken that mantle from him. That being said, he goes down in history and will forever be known as a great all-time coach. And he is solidified in that notion with his name being etched on that trophy given out to the champion every single year. Yeah, that's a great one. Very, very classic pick. Wasn't going to be on my list, but I can respect the nature of the selection. It's just very simple, you know. It's got the very slick edge-based designs. Sure. I like I like the fact that you can see yourself, you can see the the face of a champion okay. once you're holding right. it up in front of your uh, in front of your kid with their headphones on to block out the noise from the uh, from the, the the crowd going crazy. Probably Number two, best, Pat, it, it is oh, probably yeah, the ahead. best beard trophy in sports. I feel like you can really see people's reflection when they go and kiss it and whatnot, you know. Oh, that's best. a good that's a good niche category from this uh, category itself. The best mirrored trophies. Uh, I wasn't thinking about that. All right, I like that. Number two, Pat. What do you got? Okay, so number two, I'm going with an old one. All right, and uh, I, I hate how they replaced it, but I'm going with the old BCS national championship. You know what I'm talking about? The crystal ball football. Uh, shout out Jack Wance. I was uh, talking to him about some of the uh, some of the topics today. And he wanted to uh, wanted to throw that in the ring. He said he would be very upset it if is. that didn't land on one of our lists. There it is. No, I think the new college football playoff trophy is probably just the worst trophy in sports. There's just nothing to it. Uh, it's just boring and lazy, and I hate it. And the I'm old with college you. Fox Sports had it at number five on their top twenty-five list. I don't get it. I'm not a fan of the new trophy at all. Not at all. Not at all. And the old, it was just that crystal football and the way that it was etched like diamonds it was so perfect it looked so delicate so fragile it looked so much more important than it really was 
And I don't know why they ever got rid of that sort of idea. I think it was beautiful. That's my number two. Probably the, the cleanest trophy I've ever seen. I can never remember. Very, very swanky selection there by one Mr. Patrick Fetch. My number two selection on the list of top sports trophies, it's got to be the World Cup trophy, Pat. I just love the design, the rustic nature, all the hands coming together to lift up the globe. And it's just such an epic shot every four years. It's just so fleeting. You, you always want more World Cup when it's over. You can always just never believe how much fun the month-long sprint was. And it's all capitalized by the captain of the team or whatever patriarch of the champion country comes out onto the stage, lifts it up with two hands, always got to lift it up with two hands, stares up at it, and the confetti goes flying with fireworks behind or whatever other celebration tactics they got going on. Love the World Cup trophy. Let's hear it. What do you got for me? What do you got to say, Pat? Huh? What what are you throwing at? I just wish it was bigger. That's all. (laughs) I just wish it was a little bit bigger. I don't get why it's so small. It always it kind of feels... plays into the ambiance, though. With it, it, it looks okay. so heavy, but it's so small. It's just, it's kind of a, it's kind of a conundrum. Yeah, and it looks old. I guess that's what it is. You know, back in the day, it's like this older style trophy. But I just wish it was a little bit bigger. I wish the globe was just like a little bit bigger on it, took up a little bit more space. But I completely agree. That was on my, on my short list. That was a good selection. I, I do love your, your point about the celebration is a great point. The whole, the whole raising of the cup all at once, that is legendary. I think it is one of the more iconic celebrations in all sports, obviously because it's this. It's, foot, it's football, the most popular sport on the entire planet. Number one, Pat, what do you got for me? Okay, you. I mean, I'm sure you have to have the number one trophy. It's the only clear choice. It's the Stanley Cup, easily the best trophy in all of sports. I have had the luxury of putting my hand on the Stanley Cup uh, while I was at college, actually. Yeah, so the Washington Capitals GM, a Miami Red Hawk alum, if I remember. Did not know that. That's cool. Yeah, he brought the cup on a random Wednesday to, to Oxford, Ohio, Ox Vegas. Got to put my hand on the cup, take a picture with it. Pretty cool situation. I mean, it is like a, it is an old cup. It's dented. You can see that it's like just a little bit beat up everywhere. And, and there's so much history to it. Spending the day with the cup, drinking out of the cup, doing whatever with the cup. I love the Stanley Cup. I wish more wish more sports treated their trophies in the way that the hockey players treat theirs. Well, I hope you're not talking about the way Alex Ovechkin treats <laughs> treats that trophy. I mean, I'm guessing you probably they probably made the Ox Vegas trip after uh after it was in okay. the hands of one Mr. Alex Ovechkin. That probably had something to do with all the dents that you saw in that trophy. <laughs> I will agree with you, Pat. Any other time, I would it's just you, you all it's just kind of inherently baked in that the Stanley Cup is the number one trophy in all of sports. The history, the bands, all of the teams, all of the years, all of the champions etched in to the commissioners, or excuse me, to the Stanley Cup trophy. But my personal favorite trophy is the most unique in all of sports. It's not even a trophy at all. The green jacket. Handed out to the Masters champion every single year. Although they do get their own trophy for winning the ma- winning the Masters, we all know what the true prize is. It's that green jacket. It's being able to slip that thing on in the interviews for the next week, being able to go on SVP, pop on that giant screen with your green jacket on. It's just something so great about it, something so majestic. And just me being a big golf nut, it's it's inherently a bias in that one, obviously. I just love the green jacket so much. So that's my number one pick. Yeah, I can't hate on it too much. I mean, I, I was thinking about 
picking some like you know dress you know the the jacket or whatever i'll let you have that one it's a good one i wasn't gonna pick it because i'm not as big as a golf nut as you but i'm happy mm-hmm. that happy that you went out there and you grabbed it you got a uh, any honorable mentions um yeah so i mean if we went into like the college football trophies there are i mean there's so many great ones um the paul bunyan trophy that notre dame and michigan state have that's a great one uh obviously our Cincinnati bearcats have the keg and nails that's a great one. With, mm-hmm. uh, with I believe that one's with Louisville, right? Yes. Yes. I mean, that's an awesome trophy. So, I mean, if we went into the college football realm, I didn't want to dive into that. But, I mean, there's some epic, epic trophies in college football. Heisman as well. That's got to be. Yeah, yeah. That's got to be my pick for for he- heaviest and most epic trophy in college football. I would go with um, gold medals from the Olympics. I think that's a good pick yeah. as well. And what's another good honorable mention? That so, I mean, we consider like of. the belt, you know, the WWE championship. Ooh, I like that, that one. That's that's that a very one diverse so, one. Exactly, it's so versatile. It can kind of it's like a cross sport. That's one that's more of just like sort of in theory, you know, in practice. I'm gonna go with the Premier League trophy, Barclays Premier League. It's got like all of the banners and ribbons hanging that's off like, of it. It's very big. It's very in your face. It's just majestic. That's what I want the I want the World Cup one to be that big where it's like a struggle. <laughs> yeah, I love I do love, love the Premier League one. That's a great one. I think it's just the overall soccer where that you know the captain has to put the big old beast over his head when they win and that and that unison celebration. It's there great, you go. Great. That's why you're doing the curls also all all season long, Pat. That's why number ten does the curls all season long so he can be able to ha- hang that puppy over his head. Wraps up lane number three, Mr. Fetch, and that wraps up this week's episode. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Hope everybody is staying safe and being well and uh, enjoying some of this uh, extended time away from sports, and that means uh, more time around the family. So you know what? You got to cherish that. You got to look at the positives, and we are hopefully on a positive track in terms of getting some of these leagues leagues back. Pat and I will be back next week with another fresh edition of Riding the 3x3. For Mr. Fetch, I'm Russ Heltman, wishing everybody a very healthy and happy weekend. We'll be back in all three lanes next week on another edition of Riding the 3x3. Goodbye, people.